For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, we got a bye week. We can relax. The Raiders on a roll, five and two. How are you doing? Let's start there. Oh man, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, like I said, my team's doing well. We're in the we're smack dab in the middle of football season. Like you just said, the Raiders are five and two on the bye week this Halloween weekend. Get to sit back and kind of watch how these other teams go ahead and formulate the rest of their season. So uh, I'm ecstatic. I love what we are, and I'm so excited to see what things come. Stan, the Raiders uh, getting a well-deserved bye. They enter five and two. It's the first time since 2016. The last time they made the playoffs, they went into the bye multiple games over 500. You know, they do this on the heels of the resignation of former coach John Gruden. This is the first time Rich Passaccia has been a head coach, albeit an interim one. Danny played eight years in the league when we were with the Raiders. It seemed like they had a revolving door at head coach at times. How do you think Passaccia has done navigating these rough waters through the first two games? Well, I think so far right now he's done a pretty good job. You can clearly see that uh, they start off having a nice victory against the Denver Broncos. Then they see you see the game against the Philadelphia Eagles at home at Allegiant Stadium. And I think that obviously we all wish that the Raiders probably could have finished the game stronger in the second half on Sunday afternoon. But nonetheless, they still got the W. So I think that's the main thing. I would imagine that uh, the Rich Passaccia has has given the Raiders a form of stability. I would imagine that he probably had more of that Tom Cable approach of like, listen, this is what it is. This is what the lay of the land is right now. This is our job. Put the noise out of your mind and just go to work. Don't worry about the Roger Goodell. Don't worry about the the, the uh, congressional possible hearing or anything like that. Don't worry about the emails. Don't worry about the questions from the media. Don't worry about the fans or the comments that people may make, you know, your family, friends, all of that. Do not worry about that. Here is the bottom line. We got a game to play. There's going to be a kickoff. Somebody's going to be on offense. Somebody's going to be on defense. Catch the ball. Tackle the ball. Sack the quarterback. Pick off the quarterback. Catch the ball when the quarterback throws it to you, whether you're the corner or whether you're a receiver. Catch the ball whenever the quarterback puts it in the air. And when you really put it in those simplistic types of terms, Everything else does not matter. And I think that he probably has taken that approach because I know that's what Tom Cable would have done. So I would imagine that uh, it's probably some more of a simplistic block everything else out, forget about all the noise, go ahead, keep your eyes on the prize, and then get ready to play football. And that's what they've done so far in two games. Well, Stan, let me say this. On the flip side, you could say, yeah, he's made it simplistic, but we've seen Raider teams in the past having to deal with a little adversity, they'll fold like a house of cards. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, you're familiar with that. So what Passaccia has done, to me, I don't want to say it's remarkable, but it's very, very impressive. Absolutely. And I think that uh, when you really, really look at everything in its totality, the Raiders right now are 5-2. And, and so 
I optimistically am going to look forward and expect big things down the line. Now the Raiders are known for having these nice starts and then they kind of falter down the, down the stretch. Like we did back in 2011, start off the year seven and four. Then we go one and five, I'm sorry, one and four in the month of December and just completely implode. So I'm hoping that that's not the case. And so I think that it just really just comes down to the quarterback. I think it comes down to leadership, the Casey Haywards of the world, the KJ Wrights of the world, the older guys, the veterans. They're the ones who are going to go ahead and keep everything together. The Richie Incognitos, even though he hasn't suited up yet, those guys are the ones that are going to keep everything together simply because they've been on certain teams. They've gone through adversity. They've gone through certain situations in life, whether it's on the football field or off the football field. And that's what they can go ahead and pull from to go ahead and make sure that they don't allow the young guys to stray. They don't allow the young guys to go ahead and start listening to the press clippings, things like that, and have everybody walking on one cord and everybody's going to be walking in unison headed toward the same direction. Well, when you talk about leadership, I mean, when we talk about the Raiders now, Stan, to me, there's a new face of the franchise, and that has started quarterback Derek Carr. I mean, just like when you think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you think of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you're thinking of the Green Bay Packers. He's coming off one of the most impressive performances. I mean, in the history of the league, he completed 31 of 34, which equates to just over 91%, which is the second highest in NFL history with a minimum of 30 attempts for 323 yards and a couple of touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles. Stan, I wrote these numbers down. He's second in passing yards just behind Tom Brady. He's thrown for nearly 2,300 yards. He's completing just under 68% of his throws. He's thrown for more than 300 yards in five of seven games this season. Offense is averaging more than 25 points a game. On top of that, he's done it with an offensive line that's been a work in progress these first seven games. And a running game, Stan, you can say that's pretty much been non-existent for most of the season. What are you seeing from Derek, not only from a performance standpoint, but from a leader of this franchise? I would probably say the number one thing is that how direct he is. You can tell that he obviously knows where he's going with the ball. And this is exactly what I'm going to do with it. This is where I'm going to throw it. And he's going to put everything on a rope, on a dime, on target, and everything like that. So I would probably just say being, yeah, Probably just the the directive of it, of actually knowing and being precise with, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I think that right there, when you look at the, t- the greats, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, like they know what they're going to do with it. They're taking the initiative where this is exactly where I'm going with the ball. I know it pre-snap because I've already seen this defense before. I know how they're going to go ahead and move. I know how they're going to go ahead and shift. So I would probably say that probably is the most thing that uh, impressed me the most this year. But I will go ahead and say this because I know there's a lot of naysayers listening. We've seen Derek Carr play even better than this before, in my opinion. You go back to 2016 when he was a, a, an MVP favorite. I'm not sorry, not a favorite, but a candidate when they went 12 and four. So he's played at this high of level before. What Raider Nation is going to be interested to see is can he sustain this for the entire season and stay healthy all at the same time. So this right here, like I said, it's a great start. I love what Derek Carr is doing. I think he should be the quarterback of the future. We just got to go ahead and see him sustain this level of play throughout the entirety of the season and then put back-to-back seasons of this high level of play together consecutively. Stan, does it seem to you that it's almost been seamless that he has become the face of the franchise in just a few weeks after John Gruden resigned? That's not really surprising to me. I mean, he's been the quarterback. He's been the starting quarterback ever since he got drafted. What was it, 2014? So so the the notion of the starting quarterback being the face of the franchise, that's not something that's uh, that's highly fanciful to me just because, like, 
every other team in the league. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow's playing in his second year. He's pretty much the face of the franchise. You look at the Miami Dolphins. Tua's not even playing that well. He's had a couple of good games over the past few weeks, but he's pretty much the face of the franchise. So anytime you're the quarterback, you're going to be the face of the franchise. Obviously, sometimes when you're the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees, the Peyton Manning's of the world, because you're a stellar talent, but also just by default, just because you're the guy who touches the ball every single play. So uh, that's not something that's surprising. But nonetheless, like I said, I think that Derek Carr is obviously right there in that second tier of quarterbacks. You got the Mahomes, you got the Brady's, you got the Rodgers, you got the Russell Wilson's, you got the Josh Allen's of the world. And I think Derek Carr is right underneath that group of five that you would probably go ahead and put at the top of the heap right there in that six, seven, eight number right there and i think he has a lot of room to ascend and i think he can do that this year if he leads this team this team five and two right now 2021 las vegas Raiders. if he leads this team to a division title in the same division that has a justin herbert who's going to be who's a budding superstar even though the game against the baltimore ravens notwithstanding you got pat mahomes have been the past two super bowls so far this season right now stubbing their toe out the gate at what three and four or three and three or whatever they're ready for yeah and so uh that this the start of this season notwithstanding i think that would be a huge notch on his belt to go ahead and win the afc west in this division right here when you still have a lot of these top-notch quarterbacks i think that'll be a huge notch on his belt to go forward well bet online is back and better than ever the new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe 50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and even the UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, I really I read a wonderful article from Vic Tafer of The Athletic, and he wrote about the Raiders having two mental health meetings uh, during camp. And this is a team that has guys like Darren Waller and Max Crosby have been very open about overcoming addiction. Yeah. Uh, after his own struggles with mental health and a loss that forever changed his life, defensive lineman Solomon Thomas is dedicated his life to saving other young people. I mean, here you have teams having player-only meetings, maybe if their team is struggling on the field or dealing with a losing streak and they want to clear the air, so to speak. You know, I wonder if the mental meetings have helped this team overcome, obviously, the fallout from John Gruden resignation and all the injuries they've had to deal with along the way. You know, Stan, I mentioned earlier with the adversity, I feel like these Raider teams would have just collapsed uh, with any kind of adversity. Let me ask you this. When you were playing, did the Raiders or any kind of team you play on ever have any he- mental health meetings? Hell no, they didn't have no mental <laughs> health meetings. Dennis, like, what the hell? Uh, like, come on. You, know, you and I both know uh, right now in today's world, mental health, uh, racial equality, inclusivity, those are the big 
things that are right now looming in our society right now. So no, back when I was playing, there was no such thing as mental health meetings. Now, obviously therapists, you know, people like that of the world, they've always existed uh, for a long, long time. But as far as NFL coaches, NFL teams trying to go ahead and pe put people like that at your quickest disposal, no, that wasn't something that uh, that coaches, GMs, owners really, really thought about. You know, like I said, I think that it, I think that's great because I think for a player, there is so much thought. There's so much that you're thought of as a warrior. You're thought of like He-Man. You're thought of Superman. You know, you're like Batman. You're like a, a gladiator. And you know, the last thing you think about is your favorite gladiator actually having some sort of a mental health issue having some sort of a depression or something like that so that's something that you don't think about and that seeps into the brains of pretty much everybody that is surrounding the sports world so as a player whenever you do have a certain issue immediately you're thinking man i can't have these types of thoughts like i'm supposed to be superman i'm supposed to be uh invincible so you just kind of go ahead and push it out and just imagine that okay you know what uh uh i i i can't worry about that i just got to go ahead and just you know ignore it pretend like it doesn't exist things like that because the last thing i want to go is do is go and show that i'm not invincible show that i'm actually human and show that i'm actually vulnerable because people will have a negative connotation a negative imagery whenever it comes to that so i think that now where this society has now come with you see a max crosby a darren waller speaking out you look at how we have now the first openly gay football player in nassif so it just goes to show exactly where this game has now come where this society has now come so i love that within the las vegas raiders but to answer your question hell no we did not have anything of the sort in any team that i know of that i played on played against or just new people that played on or were a part of i did not know anything about mental health meetings uh just because that is something that as a player a gm coach all of that that is not something that you want to openly talk about. You want that to be more of like a taboo. And hey, if you've got some sort of mental issues, you go and you see your own doctor outside the facility. You go and you do it after practice where nobody's watching, nobody knows about it. And it's almost kind of like it never happened. So that's just something that the football world does not even really want to address. I'm sorry, not back then. That was something they did not want to address. But now it's so much in mainstream that it's now more accepted. And now it's applauded for people actually showing the vulnerability of actually announcing that they are not invincible. Dan, watching the Raiders-Eagles game, uh, Eagles starting offensive lineman Lane Johnson, he had missed the previous three games dealing with mental health issues. When do you think this started to change? I mean, you played eight years in the NFL. I know you've been out of the league for a little while now, seven, eight years. So when do you think this all started to change? Well, for one, I think obviously it's been changing throughout society. That's number one. And I think you really have to give a lot of credit to like this Generation X because they're really the ones who are moving the needle. They're the ones who are all inclusive. They don't believe that. And, you, you know, you hear things like I'm not heterosexual. I'm not homosexual. I'm what gender neutral or I'm, I'm gender fluid or whatever. Why well, you see the they and them and the she and her. Yes. Yeah, yes, exactly. So in, yeah. in, in they're all, they're all about inclusivity. They're all about that. You look at the George Floyd type of uh, situation where you're seeing young generation X kids calling out their racist parents and things like that. So this generate these, these younger kids, they're all about that. So I think that pretty much kind of like started the train to actually leave the station. And then when you see how Junior Seau, 
uh, God, for you know, just thinking about that tragic situation with him killing himself, and then you come to find out the brain disease, the CTE, things like that. And I think everything just in a culmination, everything just compounded on one another, and then it just got to a point to where we can't hide about racism anymore. You see, Roger Goodell finally had to go ahead and come around to what the players were saying, and now you see the end racism on the back of the helmets, in the back of the end zone. You now see the Carl Nassif goes and announces that he's gay in the NFL, and you better not go and speak out negatively against him. <laughs> John Gruden, you see what happened to him. So like, when you see all of that, I think everything in totality is why we've now got to the point to where being homosexual, being from a different ethnicity, having a different religion, having, uh, having mental health issues where you're not okay every day of the week. That is something that now it's applauded because it's a level of vulnerability that you're willing to have versus, well, you know what? You're not perfect and you're not blonde with blue eyes. You're not big and strong and invincible. You're not the type of religion that I want you to be. You're not the type of sexuality that I want you to be. Now it's just widely more accepted. And, you know, dare I say, you better not go ahead and say anything negative because then that's when you really are going to get ridiculed. That's when you will lose your livelihood. You will lose your employment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's pretty much where this world has now come. And I do not see it going backwards anytime soon because I think that all inclusivity is probably the best thing that anybody could ever ask for just because we are all God's children and one way or the other. We may be different color, different ethnicity, you know, all of that. But uh, but at the end of the day, we're still all human. Stan, you're a defensive back for a high school coach there in Texas. How much do you guys talk about mental health? Oh, that is something that we probably don't talk about as much as we probably should as a whole. Now, one thing that I do with my DBs, one thing that I do is obviously I coach them hard on the X's and O's of, hey, this is what you do on cover three, this is what you do on cover two, man coverage, this, that, and the other, obviously. But the one thing that I try to do is I try to take more of a big brother slash uncle type of approach with my kids. And I say that because I talk to them about certain trials and tribulations I've gone through growing up, certain trials and tribulations or certain situations that I've gone through in high school, college, professional. So I don't just talk about football. I don't just talk about on the field. I may talk to them about a situation that I went through in high school where I got in a lot of trouble. And I had to find a way to work my way out of that and bounce back. I may talk to them about a situation in college where a girl broke my heart. And then I still had to go ahead and suit up and play the game later on that afternoon. So I'm going to go ahead and I try to I try to impart wisdom in them through certain situations I've been through, certain good decisions I've made, certain bad decisions I've made. And I always tell them, guys, at any point, if there is anything that you ever need to talk to anyone about, Anything that comes up, whether it's football, school, you and your girlfriend, anything, anything of that nature, I always tell them, call me. You, I have no problem answering the phone. You call me. I don't care what time of the night it is. I don't care what time of the day it is. You call me, period. So uh, that's one thing that I try to go ahead and impart with them of letting them know you can talk to me. You may feel, okay, I can't talk to mom. I can't talk to dad. You know what? Well, you can talk to Coach Ralph. 
<laughs> because trust me, there's going to be very few things in life that you experience that I have not experienced and bounced back and came back from. And I take that uh, I take that approach on with all of my kids from freshman all the way to senior. And even the ones who are older, the ones who have moved on, gone to college and things like that, they still come back. Matter of fact, I just had one last week who was at our game. He came back and he, you know, pulled me aside. It's like, coach, you know, man, I always appreciate the guidance that you've given me because, you know, you talk to me more about life things on top of football you made me a better player but i feel like you made me a better man coach and you know stuff like that just really speaks to my soul it touches my heart because i know that i've had kevin ross i've had uh rod woodson willie brown god rest his soul i've had several D lionel washington used to play for the oakland raiders i'm sorry then the los angeles raiders right. called him speedy and so those guys took me under their wing they really went ahead and they bought me in they wrapped their arm around me and they gave me a lot of guidance with things off the field as well i think that in this in this sport of football uh i was taught by otis smith the guy who coached me in kansas city you need to leave this game better than how you found it. So now that I obviously don't play anymore, but I still try to do my part because I'm going to try to make these guys better men when they're grown, things like that. So I'm a, I'm very big on on just the guidance of young kids, but to your the original question that you asked me. No, that's not something that we specifically harp on, but I tell the kids if there is anything that you have an issue with, I don't care what it is, you call me, you tell me about it. All right, Stan, our final topic is emails. And on Tuesday, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a press conference, the 650,000 emails pertaining to the Washington football team and findings have not been and will not be released because the league promised anonymity to individuals who helped with the investigation. Now, there's been a major push for transparency from the NFL following the leaked emails that contain the anti-LGBTQ racist language. Uh, you know, this press conference uh, is also less than a week after two House Democrats penned a letter to Commissioner Goodell pushing the commissioner to give Congress the findings on the Washington football team investigation and how the league handled the matter. Goodell added that Daniel Snyder has been punished and that he hasn't been in charge of the Washington football team for four months now. One thing everyone needs to remember, Stan, Roger Goodell works for the owners. owners he works for them damn owners always remember that yep this is a small fraternity of billionaires let me repeat that billionaires who are going to do everything they can to protect themselves i mean That's if there point. wasn't anything to hide then they would have released them and gone with a narrative stand look nothing to see here you know and fyi mark davis did say at the owners meetings that he wanted those emails to be released i don't think they're going to be i don't think we're ever going to find out what are your thoughts on this? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. There's a lot to unpack with that. And I say that because this, this stinks, Dennis. It stinks. And this is the type of stink that you better go and you put, you got to put this all the way outside of the landfill. You can't go put this in your trash can, in your driveway, which they come pick up the trash on Tuesday or Thursday. This stinks. And I say that because it stinks from so many different angles. And I say that because, A, like what you just said, these are billionaire owners. They have congressmen in their pockets. They have politicians in their pockets. Come on, they're rich. We all know that. So that's number one. Number two, come on. Like, just a few days ago, <laughs> just a few days ago, the owner, not Bob McNair, God rest his soul, Cal McNair of the Houston, Texas, had to just make an apology for something he said back in May, where he was on 
the golf course. You know, that's where a lot of them like to hang out at. And he said, sorry, I wasn't able to, uh, you know, be around you guys more because of the China virus. He had to go ahead and apologize, talk about blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I don't mean it, I, blah, blah, blah. Even though I said it, I didn't mean it. <laughs> you know, that's what they all do. So you can't tell me that there is not a few of those in those emails. A few. Not more than a few. A lot a more than a few. I know. I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to be respectful. I know you are. I know. <laughs> um, a few racial remarks. Maybe homophobic. Definitely misogynistic. <laughs> so you can't tell me there is not some juicy stuff in those emails. And the simple fact that, that Roger Goodell is not going to release him already speaks to he's got something to hide. But people have to remember this. Roger Goodell don't work for you. He works for those owners. Roger Goodell makes like 40 to 50 million a year. He's the highest paid player in the NFL. and He don't take one goddamn hit every Sunday afternoon. That's one thing that people have to understand. The owners selected him. There's a reason why they selected him. Roger Goodell, from what I understand, started off at the NFL league office as like an intern. Way back when, yes. Exactly. And now he's the commissioner? <laughs> so clearly, he knows how to strategize. He knows how to finesse his way up that corporate ladder. And kudos to him. But I think a lot of people got to understand is that Congress, they've already stuck their nose in this. They're already trying to go ahead and like what you just said, pinpoint certain letters and urging Roger, Roger Goodell to go ahead and release these. Those owners are pushing back, like, hey, Roger, we pay you about $50 million a year for a reason. You got to go out there and take those bullets. You got to go out there and take whatever heat that, you, that you're going to have to take because, hey, man, don't release these emails. We got so much and so much stuff that's in them that we don't want the world knowing. This is how we really, really talk. And so it stinks from so many levels because you know that there's something in those emails, but you also know that the way the NFL is, and that shield is thick, <laughs> that shield is Teflon, you know it is going to come hell or high water for those actual emails to be released. And with John Gruden being somebody who was emailing Bruce Allen from his personal email account, that's what made it easier for his to be released but if you got said owner who's emailing from you know the company email address then he can go and hide behind i don't know you know some sort of uh i don't know franchise confidentiality blah 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 mumbo jumbo something some lawyer can go ahead and drum up and show that you know these shouldn't be released so it stinks from so many different angles because I don't think we're ever going to find out. Congress can go ahead and get involved. I would love to see them get more involved and actually compel the NFL, Roger Goodell, to go ahead, release email, go to the deposition, say what it is he knows, things like that. But I think that we're still probably about four or five steps from that actually happening. But, uh, but to your point, though, Dennis, I think it stinks. And it does because you know there's something in those emails. You know it is. And from what I've heard, from, from what I've been told, the John Gruden stuff is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, are we ever going to actually see what's in the iceberg? We know that the Titanic had a chance to go ahead and kind of see a little bit what was in, the, in that iceberg. But other than that, I think that uh, we will probably go the rest of our days not knowing exactly what is really in those emails. And it's sad, but it also just goes to show the NFL is its own entity. The NFL is not a choo-choo train. The NFL is a runaway freight train. <laughs> like, and it's going to take a serious act of God on this planet for the NFL to roll over and just allow somebody to come in, 
pull up the blinds, look through the windows and see exactly what's really, really going on in here. It's going to take a strong force to be able to do that. Because like I said, when you're dealing with one billionaire, that's already bad enough. When you're dealing with 32 of them, that's even tougher. Good luck. So exactly. So that's why I say it stinks from so many different angles. And it just goes to show in this world, we all know money talks, bullshit walks. Absolutely, Stan. There was a couple of former Washington football team employees at those uh, NFL meetings, and they spoke with the media for about an hour, and they were trying to get those emails released as well. You know, Stan, all that being said, and I know I'm not alone in this, I got to head to the airport. I'm going to probably leave a little bit early so I can go watch the Green Bay Packers for the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals because it's going to be a good game. Same I got to make my suicide pick for Sunday because I'm in this pool and I can win some money, you know? On mm -hmm. Sunday, I'm going to lay on the couch, which is a good game. Let me flip through the channels. Let me see which game I want to watch. What's an exciting finish? So, as you said, that shield is Teflon proof. And yeah, it is. you know what? We love the game. We do. As fans, as former players, we love the NFL. And this is just one more crisis that it's going to deal with. It's going to move on from it. It's going to deal with another crisis and another Absolutely. crisis. But you know what? We're just going to keep coming back for more and Absolutely. more and more. And, and I think what a lot of fans have to understand is this is that you can be a fan of something. And this is something I learned early on. You can be a fan of something, you can be a fan of somebody, but the moment that you start to place them on a pedestal, look out because you're gonna be in trouble because when you then find out that they are, I don't know, what's the word you would call it, human, which means <laughs> they got their flaws, no doubt about it. That's when all of a sudden you feel like somebody just told you the Santa Claus doesn't exist. That's when they took this, like being told the Easter bunny doesn't exist. And I think that that's where a lot of times fans, they fantasize with their favorite player, their favorite team, their favorite owner, whoever. And that's where you get into trouble and think about it. And I'm going to go ahead and just spit this out. Maybe I'll take some heat for it. Maybe I will. I'm going to spit it out. Uh, Dennis, you know, I'm from the South, right? No, I'm, I'm from Austin, Texas, still live in Texas. Texas, we all know, was what? A Confederate state in the Civil War, if memory serves correct. Yes. And what I have learned in my years, I'm going to go ahead and say this, because it needs to be said. I'm going to go ahead and say this. What I've learned in my years, 38 years, uh, will be 39 in July. When you are dealing with people from the older generation, when you're dealing with people who are wealthy, not working nine to five, they're comfortable, not middle class. When you're dealing with people who are wealthy, and I'm talking about from the older than me generation, what I've learned, not saying what it is, I'm saying what I've learned, what I've experienced. So let me go ahead and preface everything that I'm saying. What I've experienced, and anybody who wants to push back on it, then you come and you challenge me on my experiences not what I'm saying planet Earth is, my experiences. What I've learned is that when you're dealing with people who are from an older generation, who are also wealthy, at best, they're prejudiced. At worst, they're racist. And also, there's a level of misogyny in there. There's a level of superiority complex in there. There's just a level of overinflated, importance in there there's a level of you know what <laughs> i can get away with anything i goddamn want to because i can just pay my way out of it so that's why it's not surprising to me when you really think about it so let me just go ahead and just end it with that so i think that's what fans have to go ahead and understand good stuff stan we hit a lot of different topics today and uh no raiders game this week we had the opportunity to do that and it was a lot of good stuff
<laughs> obviously like i said we got off on a tangent uh this time around but man like i said uh i love it because I, like i said you know i always like to dive into different topics but nonetheless like i said five and two by week hopefully go ahead and come back uh, the following week and get a w and really go ahead and show the afc with what we're all about all right raider nation that's going to do it for another edition of the believe in raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag for my partner stanford route i'm dennis ackerman thanks so much for listening and may all your punts Find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.